Thank you for joining us at Key Life Fellowship for our pulpit ministry podcast. Each sermon on this podcast is from our 11 a.m. Sunday service. We are glad that you have joined us digitally, but would love to see you in person on Sunday mornings at either 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Now, let's open God's Word and ask Him to reveal His truths for our lives. In your Bibles today, we are going to be continuing in our study of John and his Gospel. And we know that in this Gospel, we began with some deep theology. And and I don't apologize for that because that was John being led by the Holy Spirit to make sure that we understood some things about Christ before we ever get into His earthly ministry as John will record that for us. But we have seen Jesus, the eternal Word of God. Jesus, the eternal Word of God. We know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. We know He has always coexisted within the Godhead, and John wanted us to understand that. Then John proceeds on in this Gospel, and he taught us of the fact that Jesus is not only the eternal Word, that He is also the incarnate Word. Verse 14 told us that the Word, Jesus, Lagos, became flesh and He dwelt among us. John says, we have seen His glory, the glory of the One and Only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And it is in Christ that we receive grace and truth. The fact that He came to this earth, God incarnate, fully God and fully man. And as we continue in this study, in verse 19 is where we pick up today, John is going to teach us a lesson through the example of John the Baptist in a message entitled, A True Messenger for God. I want us to see that this morning, what a true messenger truly looks like, simply because all of us who are in Christ, and and I want you to understand this even at the beginning of this message, if you are in Christ, you are called to be a messenger for God. You are called to proclaim the truth of the Gospel. And if you are not proclaiming the truth of the Gospel and confessing that you are born again, a believer in Christ Jesus, if you are not confessing and professing the Lord through preaching the Gospel, you are in disobedience to the command of Jesus to go make disciples. Now, I know no one likes to hear the word disobedient. But you are being disobedient if you are not proclaiming the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because He has commanded us to do that. And if you love Him, you will keep His commands. So as we look at this text today, we're going to see John the Baptist who is the quintessential example of a true messenger of God. He is that perfect example. We're going to see that example. My prayer is this, that in seeing that example, God through His Spirit would urge you and nudge you and empower you to be what Christ died for you to be and Christ left you on this earth to be because I promise you this. I'm looking at every one of you and every one of you woke up this morning with oxygen in your lungs. And it wasn't so that you can be a good American, though you should be a good American. And it wasn't so that you could work hard and stack up piles of money for your retirement, though if that's something that attracts you, I guess that's okay as long as that doesn't become an idol in your life. He didn't save you, give you breath this morning so that you can be a good mom or a good dad. I hope you are a good mom and a good dad. But He's left us here on this earth and He's allowed breath to be in our lungs so that we would be messengers of the Gospel of Jesus Christ so that we would proclaim the truth and not hide that light that He has given us under a bushel basket so that no one can see it, but to expose it so that everyone can see the truth of the Gospel of Jesus Christ as we proclaim it. So we read in John's Gospel in chapter 1, verse 19, and he's going to talk today specifically about John the Baptist and his role as a true messenger for God. Let us see this example. Let us mimic this example in our lives as believers. 
Verse 19 says, Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Christ. And they asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Verse 22 says, Finally they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Why didn't he just go read his social media post, right? Why didn't he check out his Instagram or his Snapchat? Or maybe watch a TikTok video? John didn't have those things. We're going to see why. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophets? Verse 26, John says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Let me set the scene for you here. John is out on the other side of the Jordan near Bethany. And he's baptizing and he's baptizing people as he preaches a message of repentance and turning by faith toward the Messiah who is to come. John was preaching Jesus on this side of the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. Instructing others to repent of their sin and to by faith trust in the Messiah who was to come. In fact, in just a few verses, John is going to recognize Jesus. We'll be covering that next week. He's going to see Him. He's going to identify Him. But here John is out and he's preaching in the wilderness and he's baptizing those people who repent and who by faith trust in the Messiah who is to come. And when you know it, in Him doing something profitable for the kingdom of God, paving the way for the Messiah, the corrupt religious people decide we have to send out a delegation to find out just exactly what is going on with this John the Baptizer who's down by the Jordan River. And so the first thing that I want you to see is there in verse 19, the interrogation of the true messenger. We're going to see in verse 19, it says this, now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. The religious people went out to meet John there on the shore of the Jordan so that they could question him. I want you to understand, before you go to thinking that these were good-hearted, nice, positive, motive-having religious people, these are the same religious people who had Jesus crucified, mind you, don't forget that. These are the same people that Jesus looked in their eyes and called them a brood of vipers. He called them snakes and said, you're children of Satan, that you're not children of Abraham at all. You're children of sin and you're children of Satan. So, so erase all of the thoughts that these are nice, good, religious people who are just going out on a stroll to see how old John is doing. No, they go out to meet John so that they can interrogate him. This was a conspired meeting. All the chief priests and the elders, the Pharisees, they all got together. The Sanhedrin, they all made a pact. Let's find out who this John really is. The religious hierarchy decided, let's go find out who he is. Why was that so important? Because these men were always feeling threatened. They were always feeling threatened. Please understand that every confrontation that they had with Jesus, they always felt threatened. If the Messiah was truly to come, they would lose their position of notoriety and their position of control. And so when they began to hear the rumors of this person out baptizing at the Jordan River near Bethany, they said, we've got to find out who this fella is. They sent out this delegation after they conspired. Let's go find out. This was a confrontational meeting, not only a conspired meeting that was arranged behind the scenes. This was conf confrontational. They went out there to get in John's business. If you look at the wording there in verse 19, when he asked who he was, 
That's the same thing as us saying, who do you think you are? Just who do you think you are? Many of us have heard that as children. You remember when you would do something that you weren't supposed to do and your parents did not approve of it. They would look at you and they would say whether that was something mouthy or something that you did that you knew you shouldn't have done. And they would look at you right in the eye and maybe even stick that finger out and say, who do you think you are? You remember Jordan when she was little? You know her as Jojo. When she was little, she thought she was big. She would tell her mom all the time. Her mom would give her instruction. Jojo would look at mom and say, I am the real mom. Can you imagine a little two and a half, three year old putting her hand on her hip? I am the real mom. First you have to straighten your face up because you want to laugh. But then immediately you're going to say, who do you think you are? You want to put her in her place. You are not the real mom. I don't care if you have a plastic grocery cart and you're wearing your mom's shoes around the house. You're not the real mom. And I don't know who you think you are. And so understand, these religious Pharisees, they went out to confront John and to ask him that question. Who do you think you are? We're the religious people around here. We make the religious rules. We know the law. We know about the prophets. You're out here doing your own thing. Who do you think you are? This was a confrontation. They didn't come out here bearing the olive branch to make peace with John. They wanted to know what he was really all about. So you see, it was a conspired meeting and a confrontational meeting. It was also a curious meeting. They were very, very curious. They wanted to know who John was for sure. And just how this would affect them. Now they understood the Word of God. The Pharisees did. They knew in Malachi chapter 4, there at the end of Malachi verse 5, there was a proclamation that was made. It says this in verse 5, See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. This was a prophetic message given through Malachi about the prophet Elijah. Now, interesting thing is the prophet Elijah has been dead. You say he died? No, I tricked you. He didn't die at all, did he? No, we know he was taken up to heaven. Here's what they believed. What did they believe? Anybody know? They believed he was going to come back. And he was going to come back to do what? He's going to come back and he's going to pave the way for the Messiah. Now, when they heard about this person who was there and he's baptizing, they said, could this be him? Could this be the one? They wanted to know why. Because they knew if this was the one, the Messiah was on his coattails and they were going to have to give up their positions of authority. Oh, the corrupt religious people never like giving up their positions of authority, do they? Oh, how many church splits have we seen because the corrupt religious want to fight for authority and control and power? And here they say, could this be Elijah? Could it be him? So they were curious. Matthew chapter 17, Jesus tells us, yes, it, he is the one who the prophet Malachi spoke of. In fact, John came in the spirit of Elijah. They were interpreting that, that it would be literal Elijah. But Christ is going to let them know He only came in the spirit of Elijah. Look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 17. Verse 10, the disciples ask Him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize Him, but have done to Him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that He was talking to them about John the Baptist. Who did Jesus say John the Baptist was? He's saying just as the Pharisees suspected, He was Elijah in the spirit of Elijah here on this earth, the spirit of the prophets. Please understand this. There has been a series of silent years for hundreds of years a prophet has not spoken. And now through the prophetic anointing of God, the same prophetic anointing of God that was on Elijah, John the Baptist is here and he's preaching repentance and faith in the One who is to come and he's baptizing those who turn to Him in repentance and faith. They came out to interrogate Him because they were curious. They've been looking for the fulfillment of this prophecy ever since Malachi wrote it down. Wondering when it would be. And here it is at their doorstep. And so they have to go out and they have to find if this is true. 
Now we know the motives of the Pharisees. We know the men behind the masks. Isn't that what Jesus called them? Hypocrites. They, the word hypocrite means wearer of a mask. They had masks on that looked like righteousness, but inside they were evil. Their motives were to find out who He was so that potentially they could squash what He was doing. So they go out and they confront John the Baptist in this interrogation of that true messenger. I love this when they asked Him. It says in the next verse, He did not fail to confess. You know what that means? He succeeded in what He was supposed to do. We see next the identity of the true messenger. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Christ. Oh, what a statement. Who are you? Who do you think you are? You could have said, oh yeah, I'm the one Malachi was talking about. I'm the one Isaiah was talking about. I'm a pretty big deal, don't you know? You can look me up at www.johnthebaptist.com Find out all about me and who I am. Maybe you can check out or buy some of my tapes or some of my DVDs. Maybe you can see me on my next religious telecast. But he didn't do that, did he? I said, who are you? He said, I'm not the Christ. Did you know this? Anything less than Jesus just really isn't that important, is it? Who are you? I'm not the Christ. He goes on in verse 21, and they ask him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Did he contradict Jesus there? Nope. That's not what Jesus was saying the whole time. He was not talking about literal Elijah coming back to the earth yet. However, what he was doing was saying he will have the spirit of Elijah who is the same spirit who empowered the prophets of old. And here he is. He says, are you Elijah? He said, no, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. And finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. Oh, they knew when they got back, if they did not have an answer, the religious hierarchy was going to be upset. What do you say about yourself? They wanted him to talk about him. Watch what he says. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. I love that he went right to Scripture. Oh, we would be doing ourselves a favor if we would go right to Scripture instead of talking about things that we shouldn't talk about, talking about ourselves. I'm not the voice. I am, excuse me, the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. So we see the identity of the true messenger. His identity was marked by some things. I want you to see those things. Because as messengers of God, and you all are if you're a believer here today, we ought to be identified with some things. The first thing we see is honesty. He proclaimed the truth. It said he did not fail to say what he needed to say. A true messenger of God will proclaim the honest truth. They're not worried about hurting people's feelings. They're not worried about making people feel good or comfortable. They're going to tell the honest truth. John told the honest truth. He told them first who he wasn't. I'm not the Christ. What did he say in saying that? I'm really not that big a deal. But I'll tell you who I am since you're so concerned in knowing who I am. I'm the one who's preparing the way for the one who's worthy of all glory and honor and praise, the Messiah. I'm just an instrument. He was honest in his message, as a true messenger of God will always be. But the next thing we see that he exercised humility as part of his identity. Humility, it's a, it's a forgotten art in modern Christianity. People want to argue with everyone and be right about everything. You know what? I can't be right about everything in Scripture except the Gospel. I can be 100% right about that. I can say Jesus Christ died, He was buried, and He rose again. No need to argue about things. And here's the thing. John didn't fall into their trap. Uh, he knew the pride of the religious leaders of those days. He stayed humble, didn't he? His humble position was this. Uh, just simply that of a proclaiming voice. He says, I'm here to declare the arrival of the Messiah. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. We see John and what his ministry truly was in Matthew chapter 3, in his account, he says in verse 1, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. John says, 
humbly. Not much to me. I'm just a proclaiming voice. I wish preachers in our days would be content with just being a proclaiming voice. Instead of trying to be someone, instead of trying to have some new message, instead of trying to create new things, to be exciting and hip and cool and relevant, I pray that they would just be content with being a proclaiming voice of the Gospel of Jesus Christ to point and to preach others the truth of the Gospel. That's it. He was this proclaiming voice. Just a voice. Not really that big of a deal. Notice his humble attitude. He didn't stick out his self-righteous chest and bow back his self-righteous shoulders and say, I'm somebody. I am John the Baptist. You'll be talking about me for years. They've already been talking about me for years since before I got here. I'm him. Found me. Want an autograph? you like me to sign your scrolls? That's not what he did. He stayed humble. Who he was. He knew he was just a proclaiming voice. He knew he was a prophetic voice. He knew what he was there to do. He was there to declare the Word of the Lord concerning Christ. You know that? That's the duty of all true messengers of God to proclaim the prophetic Word of Christ that He has, just as He said He was going to through all the prophets, He has come and He has fulfilled everything that the prophets have said about Him. Here's John, that voice declaring the Word of Christ. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. As Isaiah prophesies of John the Baptist, he says, A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. When they asked him who he was, he quoted Isaiah. He says, I'm who Isaiah said was to come, and all I'm here to do is to be a voice proclaiming Christ. I am not that important. Religious people of the day didn't understand that as they adorned themselves with fancy clothing, phylactery belts on their foreheads, and tried to look spiritual to everyone around them. John out in the desert, camel skins, wild locusts, and preaching the truth. And it bothered the religious people because he was content with just being a prophetic and proclaiming voice declaring Christ. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi again. Speaking of John the Baptist there earlier on in his prophecy in verse 1, he says, See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. And then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to His temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Oh, they knew this prophecy that there would be the forerunner to the Christ. And then the Christ would come. Here John says, that's, that's who I am. All I am. That voice that you've been listening for. That message that you've been looking for. He was a simple and humble messenger for God. We know John described him earlier on in this same Gospel for us. In verse 6, he says, There came a man who was sent from God and his name was John. And he came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. What was John's duty? It was to but profess the light of Jesus Christ. He Himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Again, I wish preachers would understand that you are only a witness to the light. You're not a superhero. You're not anything special. You say, well, don't you think that will hurt some of their self-confidence? Some of their self-confidence needs to be hurt. I'm thankful for the times that God has humbled me and reminded me, you are not. You are simply a voice proclaiming the Gospel. You proclaim the Gospel. I do everything else. I draw the sinner. I birth the faith. I give the power to repent. I open their eyes. I open their hearts. I am salvation. You are just a voice. Oh, that was John's approach to accept the fact that he is just a voice. Not the light at all that the true light was coming into this earth and He was going to proclaim that light. So we see that not only was He honest and humble, but thirdly, His identity. We see His identity was marked by His honor. His honor for Christ. 
Oh, it would have been an insult to act as if you were something other than a voice. He knew this. He knew that he was nothing. And he showed that in his disposition. He lived a very humble life with but one desire. That is to proclaim the message that he has been entrusted with and to bring glory and honor to his God. So we see he honored Christ in his disposition, but he also honored Christ in his declaration. He truly exemplified what it means to be a true messenger with his life and with his lips. He preached what he lived. He lived what he preached. Everyone knew that. In fact, they were drawn to it. In fact, it was part of God's sovereign plan. Many of John's early followers would soon become disciples of Jesus Christ Himself. And here John is, being confronted by the religious people, and he is exemplifying the marks of a true messenger, honesty, humility, and honor for Christ above all things. So we go to the next verse there in 24. We've seen the interrogation of the true messenger, the identity of the true messenger. Let's look at the intent of the true messenger. What was John doing? Verse 24 says this, Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? The answers he gave weren't enough. You've got to be more than a voice. Just a voice. There's got to be something to you. You've got to be special. I'm just a voice. I'm a voice proclaiming Christ. That's it. I'm a voice. Why are you baptizing? You've got to be somebody. Verse 26 says, I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And I want you to think about that for a second. Immediately my mind goes all the way forward to John chapter 13. Jesus is washing His disciples' feet. He humbled Himself and He lowered Himself to loosen their sandals and remove them and to take the basin and the towel and as a servant to clean their dirty, nasty feet from all of the defilement that they had been walking around in. And Jesus lowered Himself as a servant to do that for His followers. And John says, I'm not even worthy enough to even take off His first strap, much less bow down and wash His feet. I am lower than a servant who would even be able to humbly wash someone's feet, especially His. What does this teach us about the true intent of the true messenger? He was intent on preaching Christ alone. Oh, they wanted Him to talk about other things. They wanted Him to talk about who He was, what He's doing, why are things happening. And all John could talk about was the greatness of Christ. There's one standing among you who You don't know Him. But I'm really nobody in comparison to Him. In fact, I can't even loosen His sandals. The intent of John was to preach Christ and Christ alone. Luke chapter 3, verse 15 in this account of John's ministry tells us this. Verse 15, the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in His hand to clear His threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn, but He will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. John wasn't afraid to preach of the coming judgment, the same coming judgment that Jesus preached about. When the wheats and the tares will be separated, and those unprofitable tares will be thrown into the fire. He wasn't afraid to preach of those things and to preach that Christ is the good news and He alone is the only way out of the judgment that is certain to come upon all men because all men have sinned. The intent of John's message was to preach Christ and Christ alone. He didn't have to fancy it up. He didn't have to come up with some cool illustrations or or some type of, of cool dramatic scene or event or backdrop or tricks. No, he simply relied on the fact that the true message is Christ and Christ alone. And that is the heart of a true messenger. That was his intent. Preach Christ and Christ alone. 
Not only to preach Christ and Christ alone, but to promote Christ and Christ alone. John's entire ministry was about Christ. Let me tell you this. If you are, in quotations, in ministry, and your ministry is about anything other than Christ, it is not a gospel ministry. John didn't have a ministry named after himself. Not his name or some catchy theme, right? BethanyWatersBaptismalMinistry.com No, that wasn't John's way of thinking. That wasn't John's intent. His intent was to preach Christ and Christ alone. I know the American world is bored with Christ and Christ alone. And the reason that you're bored is because the Christ that you've bought into is not the Christ of Scripture. And John knew the Christ of Scripture. In fact, he knew the Christ that John the Apostle described for us in the beginning of this Gospel when he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He understood that Christ was literally God in flesh on this earth who came to dwell with us. The eternal God who loved us so much that He came to rescue us from our sin. He preached Christ and He preached Christ alone. And He promoted Christ and Christ alone. His entire ministry, not about Himself, but only about Christ. In fact, in chapter 3 of this same Gospel, in verse 30, what does John the Baptist say about Christ? He says, He, referencing Christ, must become greater, and I must become less. Oh, I would to God that God would raise up an army of preachers in this nation who didn't care about being somebody, but all they cared about was pointing everybody to the One who truly is somebody, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to this earth to rescue us from our sin and our wickedness. Here John is, promoting Christ and Christ alone. And then thirdly, his intent was to point others to Christ alone. He pointed everyone to faith and repentance in Christ. His entire intent, his life, his ministry, was not to point others to John the Baptist. I pray none of you in this room ever follow me unless I am following Christ. And then follow Christ. Here He is. He's pointing everyone to Christ. He is decreasing so that Christ can increase. What would happen if Christians got that heart in America? Let us become less. So that Christ can become more. Because isn't He really the only thing that we have to offer anyone of any value? Uh, that's a question. Isn't He really the only one who we can point anyone to who has any value? Well, I can point them to me, but do I have value in and of myself? No, according to Scripture, I am a wretch apart from Jesus Christ. There's nothing good in me. Why would I point them to me? I remember when my son was younger, a lot younger, things change. He wanted to be just like Dad. Which I would tell him every time, don't be anything like Dad. But be like Dad's Savior. Be like Christ. Your son, I'll tell you this. If there's anything good in me, it's Christ. Be like Him. John the Baptist understood this. That his job was to promote and to point others to Christ. And that was it. That was the entire intent of His ministry. The entire reason for His existence. And let me tell you this. He was okay with that. He was okay with that. It wasn't about flashy clothes and cool tennis shoes. Making the big time. Rubbing elbows with all the other famous preachers. So he was concerned with Christ, and Christ alone. So we get to the end of this text, and I know, is that it, preacher? Well, that's it for the text. Let's give this a little application. How many of you would agree? How many of you would say, I believe we're all commissioned by God to be true messengers for God? How many of you would say, yes, I believe 
Raise your hand high. This is I kind of believe, but I don't want to admit it because then you may hold my feet to the fire. How many of you believe that we are to be true messengers for God? How many really believe that when Jesus gave the Great Commission, He meant it? I'm so sick of churches reminding people of the Great Commission without reminding them He meant it! He commanded it! It's why we are here. It's why we exist. It is to share the Gospel with the lost and the dying and the hurting. The true messenger of God understands that. That this is our existence. How many would say that? That's why we should exist. Maybe that's not where you are, but that's where I should be. How many of you would say, no, I think you got it all wrong, preacher. We're not all called to proclaim the Gospel. Anyone want to do this? I like a good debate. Raise your hand and stand up. We'll have it. No one wants to debate that? It's funny, there's no Christian worth his weight who would even try to debate that. It's clear. It's, it's cut and dried in Scripture. We are all to be messengers of the Gospel. And what a great example. John the Baptist. Because I know what you're saying. What in the world does John the Baptist have to do with me? That's your selfish, humanistic outlook on things. If you're a Christian, he has everything to do with you because God has just given you a great example of what a true messenger looks like. Well, how does this benefit me? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. For many people, they would say, well, this is irrelevant because John the Baptist is like a Bible character and I'm just a normal person. So was he. He said, but he was raised up by God for a special time in his life. So are you. You think the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you just to take a nap? No, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what did Jesus say? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Power for what? Oh, to overcome your anxiety and the fears of this world. No! Power to do miracles. No! Power to do what? Be a witness. Power to proclaim the Gospel. The same Holy Spirit power that enabled John to do what he did when he was on this earth as John the Baptist. Lives in you. So what does that mean? That means this. Are you listening? You're as equally called as John the Baptist to proclaim the truth. Now, are you called to wear camel skin and eat locusts and wild honey and hang out on the Jordan River? Absolutely not. I would be a liar to tell you that. But are you called to proclaim the truth of the message of the Gospel? Yes, 100%. And it's time we in this cold, dark American church wake up to the fact that that's why we're still here. We're not here to ingratiate each other or to pat each other on the back. Though those things are important. But that encouragement and those things that we are to spur the believers into are for the furtherance of the Gospel, not just for their self-esteem. So what do we do with this? How many of you would say, I know I should be a messenger, but I'm not being? Wait, preacher, would you really call people out like that? Yes, I would. I would really call people out like that. I would call believers and hold them accountable. It is my job and it is my duty as the pastor of this church to call you out and say, how many of you say, yes, I should be a messenger, but I'm not being a messenger? You don't have to raise your hand. Those who do, thank you for being humble. What does it look like? How do we do this? Let me close with this application. If we're going to be true messengers from God, number one, first, we must embrace Christ. We must embrace Christ. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, I can promise you this. You're not ever going to be a messenger that brings God glory. In fact, you're a sinner who needs to be saved. And you need to be saved when you hear His voice call you out of darkness and into light today. But until you embrace Christ, you're never going to benefit the kingdom of God. I'm thankful John the Baptist embraced Christ. He knew. He, he even told the religious people, He's among us somewhere. We're not quite sure yet. In just a few verses, I promise you, we're going to see Him. And as soon as He see Him, He says, Behold, the Lamb of God! Oh, He knew who He was. He was expecting Him. He knew Him. Have you embraced Christ? 
So I'm not talking about embrace the American idea of what you think Christ is. That's going to send a lot of people to hell. I'm talking about have you laid down your life through the power of God and surrendered to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, as your Lord and Savior, turning from your sin and turning from yourself and turning to His death, His burial, and His resurrection as the only hope you have for the forgiveness of sin. That's what I'm talking about when I say embrace Christ. I'm not talking about embracing just the benefits of Christ. I'm talking about Him being your everything. You're all in all. The reason you live. The reason you breathe. The reason that you exist. Have you surrendered to Christ as Savior and Lord? Did you know this? There's no such thing as part-time Lord. Did you catch that? Jesus is full-time Lord. He's not part-time Lord. He's Lord of all. He's the Lord of all of you. Number two, we see this. If we're going to be true messengers for God, we must not only embrace Christ, we must expect confrontation. Oh, did John face confrontation? Did every messenger for God throughout history, did they face confrontation? Yeah, people hated the prophets. They killed them. People hated the apostles. They killed them. People hated Christ. They killed Him. Guess what? John the Baptist met the same fate. Chopped his head off because he confronted sin. And they didn't like it. And they didn't like Him for it. So if you're going to be a true messenger for God, you're going to have to get used to confrontation. I'm not talking about like it. There would be something wrong with you. You would be sick if you liked confrontation. But I'm saying this. It's part of it. Because when we stand for the Gospel, we stand against everything that is against the Gospel. Amen, preacher. We stand for the Gospel. We stand against everything that is opposite of the Gospel. And in that, we can expect confrontation. Because when Christ is truly Lord, and you truly proclaim that truth, people are going to come against you. There will be members of your own family who hate your guts for it. There will be people who play like they're your friends who talk about you behind your back because of it. You say, well, Pastor... Has someone been talking about your back? I don't know. Are you guilty? I'm not accusing anyone. When I say those things, people get nervous. I haven't heard you, but I'm sure it's going on. I'm not coming at you like that. I'm saying this. When you boldly proclaim the truth of the Gospel, because you truly embrace Christ, there is going to be confrontation. Get used to it. If you can't handle confrontation through the power of the Holy Spirit, You're going to have an issue proclaiming the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Because when we proclaim light, the darkness trembles. When we bring truth, the deceit hates us. When we preach righteousness, the sinners run from us. And so you have to understand there's going to be confrontation. You must expect it. Just as John faced confrontation from the religious people of his day, oh, wouldn't it have been nice if they went out there and said, oh, John, we are so glad that you are out here proclaiming that the Messiah is on His way. We have been waiting on Him. That's not what they did. They went out there and they confronted Him and they interrogated Him and they did not like His message and they gave a bad report, I assure you. They definitely didn't like the message of the one who would follow on his heels, the Lord Jesus Christ. We must expect confrontation. Thirdly, if we're going to be true messengers for God, we must exercise humility. Exercise humility. Don't try to be someone. Don't ever try to evangelize someone with the attitude that you have it all together. That would be a Pharisaical attitude. We evangelize people from a position of humility. Were it not for the grace of God, Kirk Hall would spend an eternity separated from God in hell. Not you. I don't know where you stand right now at this moment, but I do know where I stand. And I would have busted hell wide open had God not graciously and sovereignly intervened in my life. 
Would you like me to share with you how you can change your life? And then preach the Gospel. And don't apologize. Exercise humility. Realizing that you are leading others to the light. You are not the light. The only light in you is Him shining forth out of you. And we tell you each week, go out. You're the light. You're the light because Christ is shining in you. Make sure everyone knows that it is Christ and there's nothing good in and of you. Well, Pastor, I don't like that message. I think we should be a little more positive and help people's self-esteem. That's what's wrong with people. So much self that we don't have room for Jesus. I can tell you this, there's nothing good about Kirk Hall in and of himself. If you think there's anything innately good about you, you're deceived. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's no one who seeks after Him for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is nothing good about you. But if you're in Christ, and Christ through the power of His Holy Spirit is living in you, there is now good in you doing good for the glory of God. And it is Christ in you, our hope of glory. Are you exercising humility? Isn't it a sickening thing to see the whole charismatic movement go on before our very eyes so full of pride and arrogance? A preacher to get up and talk about his anointing? Let me tell you something, sir. That's not your anointing. If you have an anointing at all. If you have an anointing at all, it's the same anointing of the Holy Spirit that the little old lady who is in the shadows in her prayer closet praying the little lady who's walking through the grocery store who's sharing the Gospel with every young couple that she ever meets. Did you know this? In my 45 years on this earth, 31 of those years being a Christian, I have had one person share the Gospel with me in public. One! And she was probably 84 or 5 years old. And she walked up to me. Me and my wife had just been married. We were a young couple. And she had a burden for our souls. She walked up and she asked us, did we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior? And if we were to die tonight, do we have the hope of eternal life and forgiveness of sin in Him? Thankfully, we could both say, yes, ma'am, we do. And we appreciate what you're doing. Go preach the Gospel to others. And she said, I sure will. Let me tell you what, that dear lady, I'll never, I never saw her again, but I will see her again one day. She is now at the feet of Jesus. She's enjoying her portion, Him. Because He allowed her to be faithful to Him through His Holy Spirit who lived in her. Why did I say those things? She didn't come up. She didn't make a show. She was a humble messenger of Jesus Christ. She saw two young people and cared about their soul. Right? Remember what it was like to be a young couple starting out? Oh, I promise you, all these young couples getting engaged in our church right now, Y'all need Jesus, I guarantee you. But I'm thankful that there are those who exercise humility and put themselves aside to proclaim the Gospel to me. Fourthly, if we're going to be true messengers for God, we must exalt Christ. Exalt Christ. How do we exalt Christ? Everyone wants to Jump on the worship bandwagon these days. Right? We got worship music, we got worship songs, we got worship concerts. We got websites that'll teach us how to be better worship leaders. If you're gonna be a worshiper, you don't have to complicate it that much. It is simply exalting Christ. How do we exalt Christ? Through the proclamation of His death, His burial, His resurrection, and through living the life that He died for us to live. That's worship. People are quick to come into a church service and sing songs and call it worship and then walk out and never share the Gospel with anyone. You're not a worshiper. You're a singer. I'm going to say that again. Maybe I wasn't loud enough. You're not a worshiper. You're a singer. You like music. You like entertainment. Because Jesus said, if you love Me, 
Isn't that true worship? If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And one of his commands, in fact, it was his last one, go make disciples. Why are we not making disciples? Why are we not being true messengers? Why are we not exalting Christ? Oh, we'll pay tickets for a worship concert. But we can't fill a classroom with people who want to learn how to share their faith and evangelize the lost. Do we really want to exalt Christ? John the Baptist wanted to exalt Christ. Through proclaiming Him with His lips, living for Him with His life. Being different from those around Him and pointing others to Christ and Christ alone as the answer to the sinner who needs redemption. To the unbeliever, I would say this to you today. Hear the message of the Gospel. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on an old rugged cross and He died in your place to rescue you from your sin. And by trusting in Him by faith, and that alone can you be saved today and washed of all of your sins to trust Him as the One who cleanses sinners by His precious blood, granting them forgiveness and eternal life. The lost, I would say this, trust in Jesus today. Repent of your sin. Turn to Him and Him alone and be saved. To the Christian, I would say this as we close. Are you being a true messenger of God? Oh, you can't leave here today and say, well, I don't have an example of a good one. We just saw a great example of one who understood it, who got it. I know what we'll do. Some of us will be fired up and reach others for Christ. But unfortunately, some of us go back into our little religious world. Never be changed. I pray that's not you this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your Word. God, I pray that it be unleashed on hearts. That Your Spirit would draw sinners out of darkness and into light. That Your Spirit would stir the believers in this room. To share the Gospel with the hurting, the dying, and the lost. And that others would come to Christ. Never let us settle for anything else. Thank you for listening to the Key Life Fellowship Pulpit Ministry Podcast. If you would like to talk with one of our pastors, please email us at info at keylifefellowship.org or call us at 281-689-1604. You can also visit our website at www.keylifefellowship.com. We hope and pray you have a blessed week. And remember, you are light in the darkness.